0: mcdonald had a farm e-i-e-i-o and on this farm he had some chicks e-i-e-i-o with a chick chick here a chick chick there here chick there chick everywhere chick chick old mcdonald had a farm e-i-e-i-o old mcdonald had a farm e-i-e-i-o it's
1: punk rock farm farmer friday E-I-I-O. on krcl's radioactive i'm laura jones Stick around for more true tales from the agri including Celia Bell's Coups de Ville class for backyard chicken farmers or aspiring chicken farmers. Aldine checks in from the Utah Farm and Food Conference down in Cedar City. a Place Cider goes pagan for wassailing in its orchard in Torrey, and they've canceled, unfortunately, their trip to Salt Lake due to COVID, but you'll get the latest on their Stray Arrow Rosé from their orchards. Salt Lake County political mayor Blueberry will be joining us along with Callista Pearson of Salt Lake County Animal Services and homegrown music from Kate McLeod's Uranium Maiden. We're going to go into the Punk Rock Farmer Friday vault to share some of her music from Uranium Maiden, which gets released nationally on February 4th. Here's some of the conversation Al and I had with Kate back in October when she released Uranium Maiden locally. <laughs> Kate. <laughs> this album has been a while in the making Uranium Maiden. Tell us what led up to this, and there's like what more than two dozen musicians on it with you.
2: Yeah, this is a double set it's on it's on double cd right now and it's going to be in a double lp and we're having a secret utah release it's not going out to the rest of the world until after the new year so we get to get this in utah because this music is all about utah it's just a collection of my songs that i've written over the past four decades some of them span time from the 1980s to now and um, i just decided to put them all on one big project and because they belong there
1: well, the legacy of <laughs> nuclear testing uh, sounds like it is pervasive in this album with the Uranium Maiden oh. title.
2: <laughs> yes, you're going to hear a song in a few minutes about that. Um, I have a, over mm-hmm. a those musicians on this. All of them are from this region, except for one special guest from France, because he did a Um, documentary on Everett Roos. And so he's playing piano on the opening track and singing with me, which is the song Now is the Time to be Alive, which is a song inspired by the journals and the letters of Everett Roos before he disappeared. The lyrics are taken right from his uh, material.
3: So, so this is a, this is a a real folklore story here in Utah. Everett Roos, the guy who, he was out in the desert and he just poof, disappeared. You know, tell us a little bit more about it, Kate.
2: Well, he was a young man. He was a very young man, and he traveled by foot with mules carrying his belongings. He traveled all around the Southwest for months at a time, and he was from a wealthy family from California, but he just really sort of um, got out of that atmosphere, and he loved to travel around by foot. And he wrote about the landscape and he did artwork about the landscape and he spent a lot of time mixing with people in the back country and uh, he wrote letters home and journals. He kept and when he disappeared, the only thing that was found were his mules with his, with his material items and they never found his body. It's in the 1930s he disappeared. This is Kate McLeod with Now is the Time to Be Alive
3: from the new LP, Uranium Maiden, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
0: Now is the time, now is the time, now is the time to be alive. The lonely trail is where I
1: Stephen Rivetti, host of World Village, Saturday nights at 7 on KRCL.
4: It all started, I want to say, when I was probably eight years old. I used to go to bed at night listening to the radio, and that's how I first discovered uh, Night Roots with Papa Pilgrim way back in the day in reggae music. So I used to go to bed listening to reggae music, and, and that was one of my just Falling in love with the radio at that time, hearing it just, it, it took me away to a different place. At such a young age, my it just inspired my imagination. When, when my father passed away probably about 12 years ago, one of the things he said to me was, "Stephen, live your dreams. He says, you, you need to like chase after your dreams and do that. And so I said, well, one of the things that I've always wanted to do was share my passion and love of music with audience members. And so that was one of my first steps picking up the phone and becoming just a volunteer is like I I really respected what KRCL and I really respect what KRCL is all about and so it just motivated me to come down there and just answer phones and volunteer my time for KRCL.
1: Stephen Rivetti, host of World Village, every Saturday night at 7 only on KRCL 90.9. Utah has more than 10,000 nonprofits,
5: like Women of the World, which needs practical English volunteers and mentors. You can help forcibly displaced women make Salt Lake City their home and build community through self-reliance and trust. Details at womenofworld.org.
6: Skywatcher Leo T. here as we look up, look around, and get lost in space. Many cultures, one sky, and as we look into that sky at dusk, we can still see Jupiter in the southwest and other December evening gems as well, including the Big Northern Cross and Cygnus the Swan, which is nearly upright in the west-northwest as darkness falls. Also, Auriga the Charioteer rides high these evenings astride the Milky Way with the distant star pattern known as the Leaping Minnow and Big Capella high overhead. And down to the right, in contrast, sparkling, big, comforting blue Rigel. And back in our own solar system, as we've been reporting in space exploration, NASA, in partnership with the European Space Agency, launched the Ariane rocket on its precise and powerful journey, carrying the James Webb Space Telescope out beyond the orbit of the moon. And at the time of this writing, is about 744,000 miles from Earth, going this far since Christmas Day, with about 154,000 miles to go. This is known to scientists as L2 or Lagrange Point. It's a balancing point between the orbits of the Earth and the Sun where the spaceship telescope will enter a large orbit. And on top of this feat, the telescope still moving very fast in several intricate moves has been fully deployed. NASA has also deployed an X-ray telescope that will peer into black holes and neutron stars. This space telescope, however, is in Earth orbit. Also, the Hubble Space Telescope is still looking way, way out in space. Maybe we'll have to dub this the year of the space telescope. Meanwhile, on Mars, the Perseverance rover, which has been crawling around inside the 28-mile Jezero Crater, which harbors an ancient lake and river delta from billions of years ago, looking for signs of Mars life and collecting several dozen samples. Recently, the six-wheeled rover collected sample number six and has a pebble now stuck in its titanium collection tube. JPL is trying to clear its throat. throat. Meanwhile, the little Mars helicopter Ingenuity should have had its 19th flight a couple of days ago. Stay tuned. On Skywatcher Leo T, it's many cultures, one sky. Today, we'll travel to northern Montana and visit the Blackfoot tribe. The Blackfoot believe the above people, or sky beings, were the first creations. The first sky being is Natosi, the sun, who is highly venerated by the Blackfoot people and ruler of the sky people. Other sky beings include the moon goddess. Natosi, the sun god, is married to the moon goddess, and their son is the morning star hero to the Blackfoot, the stars in the sky or sky beings are sacred spirits and live in the sky world far above the clouds with their own society and land. So if you're out on a dark night and there's a slight breeze and the big puffy clouds hanging low and heat lightning pulsing on the horizon and lightning talking between the clouds and a few stars in the sky, feel the energy of the sky beings around you. As we look up, look around and get a little lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T.
1: Thank you, Skywatcher Leo T. You can always catch up on his Many Cultures One Sky reports and sources by visiting his Facebook page, and we will have a link in tonight's show notes for you. Earlier this week, the political mayor of Salt Lake County was supposed to be sworn in. Due to COVID, that ceremony has been put off, but Blueberry's work must go on. Also earlier this week, I spoke with Salt Lake County Animal Services' Callista Pearson, and Blueberry's mom, April Prado, to find out how the new canine Politico is doing. Calista Pearson from Salt Lake County Animal Services is joining us with some good political news, and I should say political, right, Calista? Political. This is all very political around here. So we had you on a couple months back where Mm -hmm. you were announcing that uh, candidates could announce their campaign to be the political mayor. How many folks signed up?
7: Um, we had, I believe it was, there was two cats and 25 dogs, two
1: cats and 25 dogs. That's pretty awesome. Yes. Yes. And all of course, good fun in support of the great work that you do at Salt Lake County animal services to improve the lives of cats and dogs.
7: Yeah. And they raised over $12,000 or almost $12,000 for our injured animal fund, which helps, you know, lots of animals at the shelter with like expensive surgeries and things like that, that we can't normally afford to pay for.
1: Well, I don't have hail to the political chief queued up right now, Calista, but let's meet the new Salt Lake County political mayor. And joining us, we have April Prado, who is the mom to Blueberry. Introduce us, April. What kind of dog is Blueberry? Blueberry
5: is a pit bull. She's eight years old. Um, I had her since she was four weeks old. Um, We rescued her from a backyard breeder, um, trying to get his pit bull spayed because he kept breeding her back to back. The mom didn't want to take care of her little
1: ones. so. Well, Blueberry is gosh darn cute. Describe her coloring markings for our radio listeners. She is blue and
5: white. She has the uh, mask, so like the blue around her eyes and uh, the white stripe up her nose.
1: Pretty darn cute. And you'll have to check the show notes tonight, but very, um, uh, presidential. When I said freeze for a screen grab, that dog was on its mark. <laughs> so what does uh, blueberry get to do?
7: Calista? Um, blueberry is going to be doing different things to be involved with the shelter and promoting, you know, adopting, um, animals and we're coming up with something we want to call tip Tuesday and giving training tips. Blueberry will be giving some training tips to other dogs out there in the community, you know, because she has gone through a lot of training and she is also a trainer dog as well. Um, April can tell you more about that, but you know, I know Blueberry has passed her good, good citizen canine. I am saying it wrong April, but, but she's, (laughs) she's, she's an upstanding canine And she has good tips to give to other pets out there.
1: Pit bulls get a bad rap, April, but I think like with most things when it comes to pets, it's about the humans.
7: Yeah, it's, I mean, you
5: can start training at any age. Um, She has been in training since she was three years old. She excelled. She has her CGC, which is her canine good citizenship um, here at Camp Bow Wow South Salt Lake. She teaches the training classes um, and she also works with reactive and um,
1: fearful dogs. So, so tell me more about Camp Bow Wow. Is that your uh, business? Yeah. So, what know, is getting
5: excited?
7: <laughs> <laughs> what is Camp Bow yeah, Wow? Yeah, we we do daycare, boarding, and training, um, and a little bit of grooming. And and Blueberry, I should mention, has a brother named Blackberry that April also rescued from that same breeder. And then she has siblings that may not be of the same breed, but they are all berries of some sort. There's raspberry, there's gooseberry. Raperol um, <laughs> is very cute. And then they have a, yeah. a real human brother now too. So. Well, Camp, yeah. Camp
1: Bow Wow, South Salt Lake, now home to the political mayor of Salt Lake County. And what are those tips? When are they going to start landing, Calista?
7: Um, In the next week or two, we'll be doing them on Tuesdays on our post on Facebook and, and Instagram so people can find them there. Um, I can't wait to see what sort of tips Blueberry will have
1: to give. And what's coming up for Salt Lake County Animal Services that folks should be aware of? Um, we
7: will be doing a special black cat adoption promotion in February. So stay tuned for that. And we will also be um, ho- holding the cutest couple competition soon. So if you think you and your pet are the cutest, you probably should check out our Facebook page beginning of February to enter that contest.
1: What's the handle, Callista?
7: at Salt Lake County Animal Services, and you can find our website at AdoptUtahPets.org.
1: And April, when it comes to Blueberry's new tenure as the political mayor, which of course um, the uh, swearing-in ceremony was delayed this week due to COVID. I'm sorry to hear about that, Calista, but I believe uh, Blueberry can be acting mayor pro tem until then. (laughs) <laughs>
7: yes yes i i think she has plenty to say you know we don't want to put her political agenda on pause while we're waiting for for her to be sworn in she she's already ready to go
1: thank you for all the puns Calista, but uh april Anytime. Will, Anytime. will blueberry be getting her own uh twitter or insta feed as a result of all this uh she already has instagram with her other siblings uh
5: the berry dogs Um uh, so Great. We'll put a link in the show
1: notes.
5: (laughs) Yeah, but she's also found on on Camp Bow
1: Wow South Salt Lake's uh, social media as well. Tell us a fun fact about Blueberry before we go.
5: Uh, Blueberry is the sweetest dog that you'll ever meet. She loves puppies. She loves children. She loves people. Um, She has changed the hearts and minds of a lot of people in regards to pit bulls. Good
1: job. Thank you so much, April. Our best to Blueberry as she embarks on her tenure as political mayor of Salt Lake County. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks, Calista. Thanks. You're listening to Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. It is Punk Rock Farmer Friday, but the Punk Rock Farmer, Aldine Strychnine, is down in Cedar City at the Utah Farm and Food Conference. He did send me a couple of comments that I'll share during his otherwise urban farm report later in the hour. My next guests were due to be in Salt Lake on January 23rd at Scion Cider for a tasting, the first ever that they were bringing to Salt Lake City. But COVID has rearranged those plans. We still wanna talk with our friends, Robert, Mark, and Ann Torrance down at Etta Place Cider and find out how they're pivoting and handling things during this season yet again of COVID. Hi, Robert and Ann, how you doing?
8: Fantastic, so to speak.
9: So to speak. Anne, you have a crown on, what's that about? This is the wassail crown that we use every year in our orchards when we celebrate the turning of the season. We'll be doing that next, this Saturday. Um, We crown the wassail mark, who has the honor of sticking a piece of cider-soaked bread into the chosen tree and pouring cider on the ground to encourage a bountiful harvest for next year. This is not old tradition from western part of England that goes back hundreds, maybe thousands of years to uh, pre-Christian times. I was going
1: to say, very pagan of you. I love bringing back the very old gods.
9: So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're too superstitious now at this point not to do it, <laughs> so
0: oh my we gosh. will be
9: out. Um, if folks are in Torrey, they're welcome to join us, but this will be an informal and alcohol-free event, Sunset. About five o'clock on Saturday. So this Saturday, folks,
1: if you're looking for a drive and you're feeling comfortable under COVID protocols, and we'll put a link in the show notes. So sad that you're not going to come up as a result. But what exactly is wassail and how is it made? And tell us about
9: your orchard, how it's been doing. Well, wassail refers to three different things. There's sort of the city wassailing that all the songs are about that we know, which was basically trick-or-treating at Christmas time. And you'd go with your wassail bowl and expect a, uh, a beverage, a nice warm beverage. But as I was saying, the orcharding tradition is probably much older, um, going back to the the blessing of the trees. And then the beverage is in cider country of Western England, would have been cider. In other places, it's been turned into mulled wine and things like that. Um, a cup of warm apple juice with a shot of tequila is always an appropriate modern substitute.
1: <laughs> How often, Robert, are you and Anne knocking that back? <laughs>
8: <laughs> not, not very often. Not very often. But this year has been um, probably... Um, one of the most interesting growing years we've ever had, it was like super hot. Um, we also had the, had the issues of tourism being down with COVID and, and being open for the first time, but getting the, getting the orchards through the heat and through the the drought was a pretty big challenge for us. And it turned out to have an amazing benefit at the, at the end of the year, um, What are known as the BRICS levels, which is really the percentage of sugar in an apple, were astronomically high. And that turns into way more alcohol.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Is that a good Uh or a bad problem in Utah?
8: (laughs) (laughs) Not a a bad problem for cider makers. Um, Really, the alcohol levels of our ciders really popped up high. And there's not something a cider maker can control. It's the weather that does that. And um, the flavors were amazing. So, so our um, our crops did very well under uh, difficult circumstances. The the fall and winter has been pretty um, mild as far as orcharding is concerned, and so they're in they're in great shape right now. So we're looking forward to a, a fantastic crop next year as well.
1: I understand the deer were particularly interesting this season. I was looking at some of your posts on Facebook and. The sun equally hard on your deer fence, rotting the ties. So uh, how is the deer population down there treating your, your uh, cidery?
8: Um, they're not getting to the trees. <laughs> knocking down the fence, but the dogs are keeping them out and they're not getting to the trees. So the, the deer, as beautiful as they are, are our sworn enemies. <laughs> um, they, they really can do a lot of damage in a short period of time. They love apple trees.
9: Yeah. So. If you visit Capitol Reef National Park and you go into the orchards, which are, you know, we're in the gateway town to that park, you'll see that all of the trees canopy starts at a certain height. And that's as high as a deer standing on the with its front legs on the trunk of a tree can browse. And I prefer to have my orchards with less ladder work. So we try to keep the trees a little lower and so we need to keep them fenced out. We've got two orchards. One has a very stout keep the humans out fence and the other one has more of a, just a deer fence. But it provides plenty of entertainment for the cider dogs who wish they had a cow, but all they have are deer. So
1: keeps them busy. Well, decades from now, as you look back on this time, you opened a cidery during a pandemic, which also curbed tourism, like you, like you say. And you were going to be up here on the 23rd at Scion Cider and uh, premiering uh, your was it your Stray Arrow Rosé? I heard
9: was was possible. Yeah. Did I get that right? Or- you did. You did. And we will be bringing well de- delivering the ro- the Sion will be able to order and acquire the rosé um, through the typical DABC channels. Um, whenever we come back, it's looking like probably like early March is when this is going to get rescheduled. Some of our products are available for, for special order through the DABC. Um, but some of them that we produce in smaller quantities like the rosé, which is the most popular thing that we've made. Uh, we only sell here at the cidery. So if folks want to try that, that would pretty much be their only opportunity in Salt Lake to, to try it, um. The rosé is a very interesting product because the way we make it, it's from a particular group of apples that when you slice through them, they're red all the way through. So when you juice it, you do get a a pink or a red juice. And we don't have as many trees as I would like of those varieties. What is that variety, by the way? Uh, Robert, do you want to talk about the genetics of...
8: Well, the, the Redfield apple um, is the one that's most popular for producing uh, cider rosés. it's a fantastic apple that has the right balance of tannin, sweetness, acidity, and it has the beautiful color too. And what we generally say in the cider is if you make a bad cider out of a Redfield, you're a bad person <laughs> because, because the apple brings everything to the game. Um, mm. And it's... It, it's an apple that was developed uh, uh, back in the 1930s by crossing it with a, a pretty successful large Canadian apple called a Wolf River. Um, I'm sorry, it was probably Wisconsin apple, Wolf River. But crossing it with an apple from Central Asia and um, that was discovered in the late 1800s. And it turned out to be this fantastic cider apple.
9: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a whole tribe of red-fleshed apples that share this genetic um, characteristic of the red flesh. But we we're long in the red fields. Although, if anyone wants to come down to our area and plant 200 more trees, we have more land, but we are out of water. So, <laughs> we are trying to find ways to get more of these trees in the ground.
1: Wow, that's the that is the um, the issue these days for farming and ranching and. Orchards across the Beehive State is the water. So we'll uh, get that word out there for you with this interview. But what's the website so folks can catch up with you but also book their appointment because that's how you are open as the cidery is by appointment?
9: Actually, we're open um, right now on weekends. um, The tastings we've sort of um, put on hiatus for... The next little bit, but we do ask people to book tastings and tours on the website, and that's uh dubdubdub at a We'll
1: be sure to put a link in there as well. And when they meet you down there, will you be wearing the crown, Anne?
9: No, the crown lives in the tasting room, except for wassail Day so that anyone can try it on and and imagine <laughs> themselves as next yeah. year's monarch. <laughs>
1: I love it. Thanks so much. And when you get that rebooked for your visit up to Salt Lake, please let us know. And we'll have you back on. Okay. Fabulous. Fabulous. Thank you. At a Place Cider Homegrown down in Torrey, Utah. Check tonight's show notes for a link. And if you do take that drive this weekend to go awaseling in their orchards, please send me a photo. I'd love to see how it goes. And, you know, maybe bring me back some of that cider. We can talk about that off the air, though. Dipping back into the Punk Rock Farmer Friday vault, we have more music from Kate McLeod to share with you. Her Uranium Maiden album came out in October locally, but it's getting released February 4th nationwide. She'll celebrate with a concert at the Garage on Beck on Sunday, February 6th. Check tonight's show notes for a link to that. But let's get another interview and song from our conversation back in October. Utah's own Kate McLeod, Aldine.
3: Tell us about the next song, Kate, U235.
2: Well, this song is a bit of a poem put to music, and uh, it's about our complicated relationship with uranium and actually our complicated relationship with our natural resources. So I had a special guest on this who is going to be joining me on my CD release concert, Nino Reyes, who's a Native American musician. He's a Grammy nominated, he's just amazing. So this is a duet between he and I on this track. I actually play the mountain dulcimer on it, and he plays his flutes and uh, a drum. Al, this album, I'm really excited to get the whole thing. We've
1: got a couple of songs that we're featuring tonight off Uranium Maiden from Kate McLeod, but let's get to this next one, especially since this is radioactive. Why don't you do the honors?
3: This is uh, U-235 from Uranium Maiden by Kate McLeod, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
2: In the wild country, there
0: is an element of wonder. There is an element of nature and of beauty born of dust, in name by number. Sigh of people who've watched bombs in belief Now All of us are users it makes all of us down wonders what will the tailing
4: k-r-c-l your community connection since 1979
10: support for k-r-c-l comes from the mobile moon co-op a female and queer collective and mobile apothecary offering handcrafted herbal products teas and cultural events and workshops more information at mobilemooncoop.org or on social media platforms at mobile moon co-op
1: you're listening to radioactive i'm laura jones coming up at seven democracy now followed by Not a Sideshow with Circus Brown. Get your Friday night fallout on at 10.30. Liquid Rhythms with Ken at 1 a.m. And Saturday Breakfast Jam starts Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. Catch the last two weeks of any show on demand online at krcl.org, made possible by listeners like you. So thank you so much for your generosity. You can also become a sustaining member at our website too. krcl.org, upper right-hand corner, big orange donate button. This is Punk Rock Farmer Friday, and the Punk Rock Farmer is down in Cedar City for the Utah Farm and Food Conference with Cymbria and Sarah Patterson of Red Acre Center. Al set up this voice memo.
3: This is Al, the Punk Rock Farmer. I'm here at the Farm and Food Conference down in Cedar City. I'm going to give you a little bit of a touch of this, and then next week we'll have more. Uh, we'll have more on the air. Bob Quinn's right here. He's the keynote speaker today. What are you going to talk about, Bob? I'm going to talk about how to choose between local and organic. That sounds good. And um, I'm hoping by the end of the talk, people will understand they don't need to choose at all. They can help create local and organic wherever they live. Uh, I love it, Bob. You know, that short and sweet, that's really great. That's all we need right now. Let's uh, let's go enjoy ourselves at the conference. All right, Alan, I'm with you.
1: And I was also able to catch up with him for a few minutes on Zoom earlier today. And you've got a lot of seeds to exchange, right?
3: Oh, so many seeds. James sent me with probably 10 pounds of seed and a lot of packets. The packets from uh, uh, Snake River Seed, they're already gone. We had the seed exchange last night. Joseph Lofthouse, Dale Thurber, Stan Jansen, the guy we had on the radio just the other day, they brought some seeds from their farm and uh, it went over very well. In about a, a half an hour here, I'm on the panel for a seed saving panel and uh, I'm the moderator. I'm not on the panel, I'm the moderator. So. They're pushing me to do more and be more visible in this thing. And I'll accept the responsibility. It's pretty cool stuff going on down here.
1: Aldine care KRCL's punk rock farmer. He will be back on the show in full next Friday. In the meantime, you got me for the Urban Farm Report, shining a light on true tales from the agri And if you've ever thought about, you know, having a few chickens around for the eggs, for the golden manure... Well, your chance is coming up to get into it with a class at Lifelong Learning at the University of Utah taught by my next guest, Celia Bell. Here's our conversation. How are you, Celia? I'm good. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for uh, joining us. And uh, you have a class coming up that I wanted to get on people's radar here in the depths of winter. If they're thinking about adding chickens to their urban farm mix, or maybe their Uh, suburb farm mix. Then Coopstaville, how to raise backyard chickens through lifelong learning at the University of Utah is the way to get into this. And I'm hoping to also catch up uh, on other things that you are doing because you have long been doing sustainable ag in the city. Remind folks about your homesteading.
10: Yeah. So we've been in the Glendale neighborhood for 18 years now and um, raise uh, chickens, rabbits, Um, Our honeybees are actually up in Wellsville, we have 10 hives up there, Um, but then we grow food for for year-round production, so we got our seed order in just now, and um, got some bee equipment ordered, and we're making soap and uh, canning elderberry syrup, and um, got some uh, cider apples ordered. Um, to put in the front yard. Um, so Going to do your mini and- cidery, just like at a place. <laughs> uh, a little smaller, but yeah, we usually put up maybe uh, 35 gallons a year of of cider.
1: So a great example of homesteading right in the city, in the Glendale neighborhood on the west side of, of Salt Lake. And chickens are something that uh, I've had friends and family kind of tackle on and off over the years. But everyone's like, how do you get into it? What do I need to do? And you've got the basics in this class coming up. And I was kind of hoping to get a preview. So first of all, you need to check the rules in the town, city, county where you live. Right, Celia?
10: Yep. And um, it's good to check in with your neighbors to see how friendly they are. Um, Definitely, uh, there's some areas, most areas, city areas, you can't have a rooster um, but some hens can be kind of loud, so try not to park it a uh, coop right under your neighbor's window, <laughs> um, that sort of thing. You just kind of started gardening, Laura. Have you thought about
1: getting chickens? Well, I'm actually moving, so not right now. But yeah, I have thought about it. My sister-in-law has them up in Centerville. She's got a couple, and my neighbor, um, who was cycling his chickens, she picked up a couple of, of his. and. Uh, My neighbor's moving too, so that coop is gone. And I know what you mean, because sometimes when you get new chickens, you don't know that you had a rooster or two in there until a bit further down the road. But my neighbor's always been been great. They're not under my window. Um, The dogs next door are under my window, but not the chickens.
10: (laughs) Yeah, that is kind of the interesting thing about... um the noises that we do put up with in the city where we're not allowing roosters, but be kind of nice in ways for people to have their own breeder flocks for sure. But um, yeah, I definitely try and get people aware of um, uh, whether or not they would be a good fit with it can be if you travel a lot it can be a bit of an issue so trying to find like a good chicken sitter um, finding a good spot in your yard some place that's uh shady in the summer some sun in the winter um and make how to build a coop that's easy to clean um and um, is enough space for the amount of chickens you want. So, say if you wanted to get some chickens, Lara, uh-huh. uh, you would need to decide like how many chickens you'd want. So, how many eggs do you think you would eat? And whether or not they would actually be more farm animals or more like pets. Um, that can be a big one. And what kind of breed you would like to get. So do you want some with the fancy feathers on their heads and feet that What are, are the so some of the different types? Um, so they're typically with the laying hens that we're um, focusing on for this class um, there's ones that really crank out the eggs, a lot of them are hybrids um, or more commercial type breeds so. They're called sex links, and they can really lay quite a few eggs. But then there's kind of your um, uh, heirloom breeds uh, that have been around for a long time that um, are also interesting. And some can be a little heavier, so they might have a little more meat on them. They might overwinter a little bit better. Um, and... Um, have different colored eggs. So uh, the breed uh, determines the color of eggs. So um, you've got your white Leghorns that lay the white eggs. And then you've got your more American breeds like your Rhode Island Reds that lay the brown eggs. And then you've got Easter Eggers that lay like a range of green eggs. So trying to decide if that's gonna help you to determine what type of breed you want.
1: Now, you said earlier that you should think about how many eggs you want. Is there kind of a guideline, like so many eggs per chicken you can expect?
10: So if you are wanting maybe uh, four eggs a day um, in their prime, I'd like get five chickens so you can get those four eggs Four eggs a day, and
1: if you have a family, you can easily go through that. One of the things that my sister-in-law did when she first did chickens when she was – living in the middle of the Salt Lake Valley, um, she did it with some friends. So the coop was in their yard, but they had a rotation of people to take care of it and to share the eggs and and the maintenance. And that's something to consider as an option as well.
10: Absolutely. Having kind of the chicken co-op. So um, I live next to Wasatch Co-Housing, and they have a similar thing where people take turns doing the chores and So, yeah, if someone goes out of town there, you've got backup, which is awesome.
1: Let's go through some of the other basics you'll cover in your class. Preparation, breed selection, housing, food, and water. What do chickens eat? Can I just take the the vegetables that would otherwise go in the trash or down the garbage disposal and that's enough for them? What does a chicken need on a daily basis as a good diet?
10: So if you want to keep them in good laying production, good health, uh, they are going to need a balanced diet. And to do a lot of eggs and to grow feathers, that is, they need a pretty high protein. So you can supplement with some of those like garden vegetables and that sort of thing, but you don't want to feed them something off their balanced diet, something that they, they should be able to finish those treats in say like 15 or 20 minutes um, so that they can stay in good lay condition. It's interesting because I have found that um, chickens that are raised as more of a farm, farm animals can sometimes uh, live a little more easily because uh, the farmer's sticks with that balanced diet where when we're trying to baby our chickens that can kind of throw off their protein needs. So I go to the IFA and get the organic garden or uh, organic um, layer feed um, but when they're chicks they have a formulated chick feed um, and then when they're not chicks anymore but they're not laying I do a grower feed. So we'll talk all about uh, what Type of feeds they need when, uh, where you can get those. We'll discuss um, appropriate treats for them. Some people are really cool and raise, like, uh, fly larvae for their chickens to eat because those are really yummy, high protein um, treats.
1: What about storing the eggs from your chickens? Do they need to go into the fridge? How much longer do they last than the store bought?
10: Definitely uh, that's one reason why you want to be around every day or have someone pick up your eggs is so that in the winter, they're not freezing overnight in the coop and then in the summer, they're not sitting out in the heat for too long. Um, The um, bonus of having backyard chickens is that when they lay their egg, they actually uh, put a bloom over the egg that is a protector from um, different bacteria and stuff from getting in the egg. So, but as soon as you wash that egg, that protection is uh, gone and you do need to refrigerate it if you wash your eggs. I don't wash my eggs. So I leave them on the counter till I eat them. Uh, They do age more quickly. So having um, the eggs on the counter Uh, like 70 degrees for 24 hours, that's like one week of being in the fridge.
1: We're talking with Celia Bell, whose class Coops DeVille How to Raise Backyard Chickens is coming up in February with Lifelong Learning at the U. I understand you're going to also offer it this summer for the first time.
10: Yeah, we haven't scheduled a time yet, um, but uh, I'm pretty excited to, so if you miss it, so our class starts pretty soon, February 8th, and it goes through the 22nd, so that's three Tuesday evenings from 6.30 until 8.30. Uh, So it'll be something similar to that, like that uh, sometime between May and August.
1: All right, we'll put a link in the show notes. But what is maybe a couple of the mistakes that you have seen enthusiasts get themselves into trouble with that you could prepare or warn listeners for as they consider this?
10: So um, I've had a... Few people tell me that they weren't prepared for getting a rooster. And so they ended up, um, driving through the country and throwing their roosters out into the country randomly.
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's not, that's not legal in some way, shape or form.
10: No, (laughs) really? No, (laughs) So be prepared. Okay. Setting them (laughs) free. (laughs) Have a plan. um, for that. Uh, and then not prepared that so the chickens, they will start laying around about five months. So you're feeding them um, without them laying until then. Um, so that is an added expense um, without getting eggs. And then um, they don't uh continuously lay for their entire lives. Um, it can taper off as they get older and then it can really decline during the winter. So they are um, very in tuned with the daylight hours. So when we have decreasing daylight hours from June until December, they um, can slow down on laying. So being prepared for that and deciding whether or not these are pets or if they're a farm animal and deciding um, when, you're going to find them a new home or eat them um, if they stop laying and you need new layers. Don't, need Don't them. be prepared for the size of coop for how many chickens you want. Because if you keep having those older hens be around, but adding new ones so you have layers, uh, they can get very crowded.
1: One thing I'm sure folks are curious about is how much chicken manure they should be prepared to deal with and whether or not it can go on their garden, Celia?
10: Yeah, so uh, chickens are, definitely can be an added benefit to the garden. They can do some bug patrol. They're really good at getting grasshoppers. Um, but uh, their poop can be good for the soil. It does need to go through a composting um time. And then you also, um, my little garden hat going to go on. So I also teach basic gardening uh, classes up at the U of U. Um, we do in some areas are having issues with buildup of phosphorus and salts from some manures. So you should be getting regular um, garden soil tests to make sure that uh, your soil actually needs some chicken poop on them too.
1: And those are things that you're going to learn about in Celia's class. We'll put a link in the show notes. And I understand that you will be covering the age-old question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Whether or not there's an answer, I'm not going to give a spoiler, but it's something you can check out with Celia. Thanks so much, Celia. I appreciate it. And by the way, how many chickens do you have?
10: Oh, I'm not telling you.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> you're in the city.
10: Okay. Thanks, Celia. Thanks, Laura. Have a good one.
1: Celia Bell, urban homesteader in Salt Lake City. Check tonight's show notes for a link to her de Ville How to Raise Backyard Chickens class that's gonna start in the first part of February, folks. But she also has a couple other classes on gardening through lifelong learning at the University of Utah. You're gonna wanna get on them. If this is the year, you're gonna get your hands in the dirt. I'm Laura Jones and that's our show here on the Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition of Radioactive. My thanks to all of our guests on the show tonight you for listening. And we're going to go out with one more song from Kate McLeod, a homegrown musician who put out Uranium Maiden in October, just locally though. The national release is coming up on February 4th, and she's going to celebrate with a gig at the Garage on Beck here in Salt Lake City. So let's get one more tune from our interview with her back in October.
3: So Kate, there's a lot of local musicians and one foreign musician on this record. Tell us a little bit about how you got everybody together?
2: Oh my gosh! I spent six years recording these songs, and uh, it was quite a it was quite a task to get everything organized for it. Um, so I took my time, and I actually had guests into the studio individually. I would record the song, and then have the guests come in. And honestly, it really was a project for me. It's the largest project I've ever I've ever created, and it, if it wasn't for the pandemic slowing everything down, I might never have finished it. So there you go.
1: <laughs> so
2: 26 Utah-based musicians. I think I saw Bob Smith on drums in there. Yes, we've got several drummers and a few bass players. Uh, my friends, Mandy Danzig and Mark Hazel, who play in my band, Bob Smith. We have, we have guests like Steve Lutz and Charlotte Bell on oboe. And we have Kurt Bester on piano.
1: Check tonight's show notes, folks, for all the details, how to pick it up and where to see Kate live. We got one more song here. Al, why don't you do the honors?
3: Storm on the desert, fresh and homegrown from Kate McLeod on KRCL 90.9 FM.
0: is
1: Davoni Nash, host of Tala Kola, Sunday nights at 10 on KRCL. Tala means to tell.
11: Kola means gold. Golden uh, matches. Very important matches. That's what Tala Kola means. We are telling uh, really important matches for the people to, in our community to listen to. That is in Tongan, That's a Tongan language and we do our show in Tongan language, we are bilingual. That is a blessing that we have, that we have this uh, radio that allow us to give the information out in our own language. Especially for people who do not speak the language and when they hear someone tell them this kind of medication is good. Uh, encourage them, go take your immunization, it's still good, you're not going to be an alien, or you're not going to turn to become something else, look at me, I took mine, Uh, that's an A plus, that is, uh, you know, to me, I'm so thankful to KRCL to give us that platform, give us that opportunity to reach to our community, not only in Utah, but around the world, that they listen to us.
1: Yvonne Nash, host of Talacola, every Sunday night at 10, only on KRCL 90.9.